0: This is Asked and Answered questions with Tom Opperman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola.
1: The week has finally arrived, Labs. It is draft week. Do you have your chair picked out in the war room already? Are you ready as far <laughs> as that situation is concerned?
0: Yeah, I'll I'll be right there. I have um <laughs> I'm I'm figuring um you know th- first three picks are all quarterbacks. I mean has to be right. That's just the writing on the wall. I, I mean yeah
1: are you, and you're the and one then, that's going to make one of after, them, right you write in one of the picks and,
0: and then after the first three are quarterbacks the other picks will only be guys that mike tomlin took to dinner uh, on their pro days
1: and then the seventh round pick the last pick you just pick a quarterback you get there to make you pick no you pick a quarterback there too just go four <laughs> quarterbacks just play it safe you know
0: Right, yeah, because you can never have enough.
1: You can never have enough quarterbacks. All right, lots of questions here from Steelers Nation to get into this week, so let's get started. Vincent Ciani from Hoboken, New Jersey asks, if you were the Steelers GM, how would you strategize the draft? Would you take a defensive lineman in the first round and a wide receiver in the second round or something different?
0: Well, I know this is boring uh, for fans, and uh, you know, I I even get bored. I even bore myself when I either write it so often or say <laughs> it so often. But um, you know, I really think the way to do it is to prioritize the people and not the positions. Um, you know, certainly uh, the two positions that Vincent um, lists here are ones that you know I would hope the Steelers uh, would seriously consider. Uh, in the early rounds uh, of the draft. But, uh, you know, I don't know that I would prioritize them as opposed to who the defensive lineman is, who the wide receiver is. I, I think that's the way you got to approach it uh, in order to try and get, you know, the best people uh, on the team as possible. So, you know, the Steelers have enough needs um, slash weaknesses in their depth chart. Uh, to pretty much um, you know, touch on a bunch of different positions in terms of where they want to uh, focus in the early rounds of the draft. Um, so I would look at the people. I mean, they spent a lot of time researching these guys and evaluating these guys and taking some of them to dinner and going to pro days and all that stuff, getting to know them, getting to know their families. And so now is, the, is when that pays off in my mind when because you're, you're trying to – there's a lot of good players – but you also want to add the kind of people that you think are going to fit in, um, you know, and be long-term right. assets. So that's the way I would approach it, as boring as that sounds.
1: Stephon Permont from Quebec, Canada asks, although I will not criticize any of GM Kevin Colbert's picks, I am hoping for some speed at wide receiver, a defensive lineman who can contribute pressure to the pass rush and add to the run stopping and an edge to rotate with TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith, as well as a quality cover cornerback on day one or day three. On a personal level, which of these or other choices would satisfy you the most? That's a
0: heck of a list. That's a
1: lot of stuff that we're getting here in this draft. <laughs> I mean, That's a lot no, of stuff. Sir,
0: I mean, yeah, and, uh, you know, I think if um, uh, at the end of it, uh, if Kevin Colbert uh, checks off everything on uh, Stefan's list there, uh, I think he would be pretty happy.
1: I think so, too. Scott Martin from Lakeside, California. Do you think the Steelers will address the giant hole behind Najee Harris on the depth chart at running back with the draft or wait until after June 1st?
0: Um, You know, I do believe that uh, the Steelers do have um, a need for, you know, a backup running back. Uh, My my personal opinion is uh, I'm really not sold on Benny Snell. And uh, Anthony McFarland has not shown to be, you know, reliable enough in terms of staying healthy, you know, to be counted on. And um, so, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how uh, the team will uh, go about trying to do that. You know, I, I think that you have to be kind of careful with this because we've seen uh, instances, you know, where it works well and where it doesn't. So, you know, I don't think you can um, you spend a high pick uh, on that on a a guy being a backup because you know Mike Tallman is not a um, you know share the wealth kind of coach in terms of um, you know running uh, carries, playing time, and Najee Harris showed during his rookie season that he is a, a legitimate you know all purposes running back. He 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 runs the ball. He is a good receiver he is a willing and capable blocker and so there's there's really no situation where you got to pull him out of the game so um the Steelers need to add someone behind him but they need to make sure that they get the right this is going back to the first question you got to get the right person for the job otherwise it could be problems
1: but you do feel like they are going to add something behind him. They're not just going to sit pat and if they don't get anybody, they're comfortable with the current depth chart.
0: Well, I, you know, I don't, I don't. Th- if they don't draft anyone, there's still, you know, you could, you, you can, know, Willie Parker was an undrafted right, rookie as exactly. an example. You know, there's there's guys that you can get. I mean, there there could be a second wave of free agency after that. Yeah, there's still some vets um, out there. So, uh, yeah, that I, I do believe that the offseason – uh, before it's over, and it, you know, for some teams, it doesn't end until you know maybe even after a uh, mandatory minicamp in mid-June. But I don't think the Steelers would be wise—let me say it that way—to go into right. uh, the the 2022 season with the same depth chart at running back.
1: Cal Steinman from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I'm a little concerned that if Najee Harris gets hurt, the running game is done. Do you think the Steelers see? should spend a bit to get a decent backup running back? It's like Cal was reading our minds. It might also provide a bit of a one-two punch, as well as giving Najee a break here and there. Melvin Gordon came to mind, although he looks to be talking to the Ravens.
0: Okay, well, see, this is the thing, uh, Cal. First of all, um, it's it's. I don't believe it's going to be a situation where it's a one-two punch, because that, to me, is um, not what... Um, Mike Tomlin has shown um, to be his preference. And I don't think you spend what you spent on Najee Harris in terms of draft capital last season. If you're going to then add someone this year, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to take half his carries away or even a third of his carries away or any of that. And that situation is what I was referring to uh, to the previous question, you know, back. If you look at the history of this, Uh, The Steelers did this well when they signed D'Angelo Williams. D'Angelo Williams understood that um, he was a backup. He was Le'Veon Bell's backup. Le'Garrett Blunt didn't work out because he didn't understand that. Um, I'm not placing blame anywhere. I don't know where the blame deserves to be placed. Probably on Blunt. I'll
1: place the blame.
0: (laughs) All right. Um. But, um, you know, clearly, if, if, if you add a person who thinks that his playing time is going to be comparable to Najee Harris's, that's a problem waiting to happen. Whoever comes in has to understand he's a backup. If Najee needs a break, two plays, fine. If he's injured, fine. Otherwise, you know, find a nice place on the sideline, a comfortable seat on the bench and enjoy the festivities. No because that's your role right You get your you get paid, practice hard, be prepared, but don't expect a lot of playing time. And that's the kind of person the Steelers need to, to add. That's why I said earlier, I would not commit you know a high draft pick on a player because if you know if you're a running back and you're a third round pick, say, you're thinking you're pretty good, and and that draft status probably indicates that you are, and so your mindset coming in is going to be different. If you didn't get drafted at all, uh, and you you know you sign a uh, undrafted rookie contract, or if you know you're a veteran and it's June and no team has shown any interest in you, I mean you start to get the idea maybe of yeah. you know, where you are in the pecking order.
1: Is this something that you might not be able to determine if they've accepted their role until the season actually starts? Because these guys in a meeting to sign a contract can lie to your face and say, oh, yeah, I'll be a backup. That's fine with me. I just want to get this money. And then you get into the season and they think in their head, oh, I'll beat that guy out. I'll get more playing time. And then it can kind of roll downhill that way. So it's it's a risk kind of because you can't truly know if they accept that role until the season actually starts.
0: Well, and then that's, again, that's why what I said, you know, the way I said it in terms of a a veteran you know he's he has no job <laughs> until just about everyone else has a job and then the amount of his contract uh, would reflect um you know that he is a backup uh, and so I think there are ways beyond saying to him you're a backup to communicate the fact that he's a backup and if, if a guy is, you know, familiar with the league and has been around the league a little bit, he understands yeah. that if uh, the draft is over, uh, undrafted rookie, you know, the, the immediate um, period after the draft when there are a lot of signings and you don't get signed then and, you know, um, maybe rookie mini camps come by and tryouts and that and you don't get in, uh, any sniffs there. You know, if a lot of these things happen and pass you by, um, you know, unless you're totally <laughs> clueless, you should start to get the idea that, Hey, uh, I'm going to need to accept something here, uh, just to get my foot in the door. So I have a job next year and not worry about uh, how many carries I get, just try and get a job and make a team.
1: James Headsmith from Los Angeles, California. I'm a big Heinz Ward fan. Do you think with his numbers, he is hall of fame bound. I think he is worthy, but what's your opinion?
0: Um, you know we, we've gone to, we go over this all the time with these kinds of questions and you know I'll just repeat myself. you know when it comes to the Hall of Fame it's in my opinion, there's two ways of looking at these players. are they worthy? Can they get elected? because it is an election. So I believe Heinz Ward is worthy. Um, you know, but I do think that him getting elected is not going to be a simple, thing. It's not going to be like Troy. It's not going to be like Ben, um, you know, receivers. Um, their, their statistics have just, uh, you know, shot through the roof a lot of times now. And just to um, explain this and, and maybe give some examples, um, there were 26 semifinalists for the induction last year, part of the um, um, class of 2022 which actually goes into the Hall of Fame this August, but they're elected, you know, right around the Super Bowl. Okay, and there were um, 1, two, three, four, five, six, eight, 8 wide receivers among those 26 semifinalists, okay? Hines Ward, Anquan Bolden, Devin Hester, Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, Steve Smith, Steve Tasker, and Reggie Wayne, and none of those eight wide receivers were elected. Okay, So there's a lot of these guys up for it, and none of them are having uh, an easy time getting in. So let me just relay you know, a conversation I had with Mike Tomlin about this. And I asked Mike Tomlin if he thinks <clears throat> Hines Ward is worthy because he coached Ward. And then Tomlin was a, don't forget, uh, started as a defensive backs coach with Tampa Bay and then the defensive coordinator. With the Vikings so he was either you know game planning to get Heinz Ward the ball or game planning to stop all those other guys and um, this is what Tomlin said I'm gonna just read you what he told me uh, he's got the hardware on his finger he's referring referring to Ward and the two Super Bowl rings right. he's a multiple-time world champion that's a component of it but also everybody who witnessed Heinz play, understands that his style of play is above and beyond the statistical analysis, the nature in which he played, and the way he redefined the position. He did things differently than others. His point of attack blocking was a weapon. He was a true weapon in that space, and there's not a lot of stats that really measure that. I make the argument all the time. Several years ago, when I was stumping for safety John Lynch, who I coached on in Tampa, stats didn't really give an indication of John Lynch's impact on the game because of the physicality with which he played. Hines is the offense's counterpart to that. You could ask John Lynch about Hines Ward, and I'm sure the first thing that's coming out of his mouth won't be stat-related. It will be the nature in which Hines played the game, and I think that's something that always has to be quantified. And while it's debatable... Those of us who were close, close to it, those of us who saw it, it's not debatable. It's crystal clear. It was unique. It was different. It was position-defining, and those are the characteristics that exemplify a gold jacket guy. Then I asked Tomlin, I said, okay, so um, you were in a room as a def- uh, defensive backs coach, and you've got a game coming up against the Steelers and Heinz Ward, What would you tell your guys about him in the meetings leading up to the game? And he said, the reason that I mentioned John Lynch is because John Lynch was that box safety that I'd be telling to watch out for number 86, because that's what Hines did. (laughs) He went in there and mixed it up against the likes of John Lynch and Donovan Darius and the other box safeties who were real physical in his generation, and Hines Ward should be recognized for that. And so stats are a component of getting elected, but let's be real. Heinz stats tell a Hall of Fame worthy story as well. But relative to some of the other receivers that are mentioned among the semifinalists who have comparable stats, I just wanted to draw a distinction. And let me just remind you this. Um, you know, in 2001, the Steelers went to Tampa and they played what I always refer to as the paper champions game. That was Lee Flowers, mm-hmm. uh, who was a very colorful, um, uh, strong safety, dubbed the Buccaneers paper champions because, you know, they were, all, they were always picked at that time to be, you know, among the contenders or a Super Bowl favorite or whatever, and they never seemed to get there. And in that game, that um, it was down in Tampa, it was – it was either in September or early October. Bettis just went nuts. <laughs> they ran the ball up and down Tampa and uh, beat them. And so um, I learned uh, pretty quickly that if you wanted, if I wanted to get um, the look from Mike Tomlin, <laughs> all I had to do was reference the Paper Champions game, and I didn't even have to say anything more than that. You <laughs> know exactly what I meant. Uh, he remembered how that game turned out, and Heinz Ward was rocking people uh, in that game for Bettis. So, yeah, the, the whole thing about the conversations that Mike Tomlin referenced that he had with John Lynch, uh, those were real. And um, they had an impact on uh, the play and an impact on games when those, when those teams played each other.
1: One more thing in regards to Heinz Hall of Fame status. You mentioned this constantly on this very podcast. Steelers fatigue is a real thing when it comes to these voters. And when it comes to getting more Steelers into the Hall of Fame, doesn't mean they're not worthy, but sometimes people are like, "Ugh, another Steeler. Seriously. It's enough already. I don't think it's fair. Yeah, but it's the, what happens.
0: Right. And just as a, just to emphasize that point, you know, the, the, um, classes of, uh, 2020 and 2021 were combined right. because of the pandemic five Steelers <laughs> went in that time so doesn't bode well for think 2022 probably no and that that just emphasizes the fatigue aspect chuck mccrookie from hinckley california
1: asks it is difficult to keep track of free agents and whether they signed with another team re signed with the Steelers or are still on the market can you give us a quick recap of the status of all the Steelers free agents <laughs>
0: Wow. Okay, when the off well, when the offseason began, the Steelers had seventeen unrestricted free agents. Okay. They've re-signed six of them. Montravius Adams, Miles Killebrew, Arthur Millette, Chuke Sakora for Akela Witherspoon, and just this week, Terrell Edmonds. Five of those seventeen signed with other teams. Taco Charlton with New Orleans. Joshua Dobbs with Cleveland. Ray Ray McLeod with San Francisco juju with kansas city and james washington with dallas five remain unsigned Kalen Balaj, eric ebron bj finney joe hayden and trey turner the 17th guy ben roethlisberger he retired beautiful
1: well to put a bow on that labs well done rick scaglione from fredericksburg virginia with the steelers re-signing marcus allen considering the crowded inside linebacker what are the possibilities that they move him back to safety alongside Minka?
0: Um, I don't think I don't think they're very they're, there's there's very much of a possibility of that at all. I mean, I, they've been if, grooming him to be the inside
1: uh, linebacker position for the past couple of years. Yeah, and reason.
0: I yeah, and I think that if uh, the Steelers perceived Marcus Allen as being a starting caliber uh, NFL safety, they would have never moved him to linebacker in the first place. No, that's a good point. Ron Williams from Astoria, Oregon. Have there
1: been more interviews for the general manager position or has that been decided but not yet
0: released? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ron, let me let me. This is the social media era. There's not a whole lot. that's it's a secret. Determined, <laughs> right. And, you, and if you think you're going to keep a secret, uh, <laughs> right. you're probably wrong. Uh, but the, the interviews, the Steelers stopped the interviews. There's a March 1st deadline. Um, because most uh, player personnel uh, people, their contracts last through the draft instead of, like, players whose contracts la- contracts last through the season. So um, because the March 1st date is kind of a, you know, a time when um, NFL teams do n- no longer have to grant permission to other teams to interview their people, and the fact that that's really when, you know, draft prep gets into high gear, uh, the Steelers s- stopped all GM interviews on March 1st. And then what they're going to do is after the draft, go through a, a bring back. I'm sure the, the people that they liked or mm. either liked or want to get, uh, have another sit down with or whatever for second interviews. And then Steelers president, Art Rooney, the 2nd we'll make a decision. Now, when that ha- how soon after the draft I I can't you know I can't uh, specifically identify a date, but you know as I alluded to earlier, I believe that everybody's going to know who the new GM is before the Steelers can call a press conference to announce who the new GM is. There's just there's just too it's much the way Twitter. The way it is, right, yep. right, and. And who knows? I mean, there's Adam Schefter, there's... He's always sniffing Luck around. for yeah. right. And, yeah. And, and then also, uh, the the person who gets the job could put it on social, <laughs> his own social media. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, yeah, once once a decision is made, I would imagine announce, an announcement would be forthcoming pretty directly after that. And finally, Lamar Blaylock from Little Rock, Mississippi
1: do you think the Steelers have a realistic chance of drafting Jordan Davis from Georgia? Davis reminds me of Joe green. I truly feel that just like Mean <laughs> Joe, Jordan Davis can be the cornerstone to putting the steel back in our vaunted steel curtain defense. Like mean Joe accomplished in the past. There's so many things wrong with that question, but we need a cornerstone when the outside linebacker just set the record for most sacks in a season. I think the cornerstone's there right now.
0: Well, what's really wrong with that is <laughs> yes. Um, okay you you know where i'm going with that i do i have a feeling Um, you know just when i thought it was safe to do these podcasts again and be done with you know steelers fans comparing kenny pickett to dan marino (laughs) um i get this one um you know the only thing jordan davis might be able to do better than joe green is beat him in a race um (laughs) And you know it's and on Sundays in NFL stadiums. It's not track meets. It's football games. Um, you know, Joe Green is, is one of the greatest players in NFL history. He's the best player in franchise history. Um, this this whole way of thinking, you know, insults Joe Green. Puts way too much pressure on Jordan. Exactly. Davis. Way too much. And insurmountable. And really, Yes, and and really um, illustrates a lack of understanding um, on what Joe Green meant to the Steelers, uh, because beyond being a player, uh, he was the guy in the locker room that pretty much single-handedly uh, dragged the the Steelers out of the dark ages when, it, in terms of um, you know the players, Joe Green was Chuck Knowles' Um, enforcer, sergeant-at-arms, whatever you want to describe him as. Um, you know, 40 years of winning nothing. <laughs> that's, yeah, You know, that's a long time. I, I, don't even, I don't even know if Lamar is that old himself, 40. So, um, you know, the Steelers stunk for more years than Lamar Blaylock probably has been alive, and Joe Green was the example and the uh, the rock upon which um, you know four Super Bowls in six seasons were built so uh, I'm not even gonna entertain that question <laughs> um, and uh, I, I just hope in, in, in really in that respect that Jordan Davis is not picked by the Steelers because if fans yep. think that that is even a remote possibility <laughs> I'm just here to tell you Uh, They're going to be very, very disappointed and nothing against Jordan Davis.
1: It's my least favorite thing come draft time labs. The historical comps for these players. It's incredibly unfair and it's just setting up for criticism down the road. Whenever Kenny Pickett's not Dan Marino or Jordan Davis is not mean Joe Green.
0: Right, right, exactly. Um, they, They have no chance, no chance.
1: All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Asked and Answered. Enjoy the draft. We'll be back again next week with some fresh batch of questions. I'm sure a lot of them will be draft-related, so make sure you get them into labs. But for Bob Labriola, I am Tom Opferman. As always, we appreciate you listening to Asked and Answered.